podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Salah. Escape Cancelo. Oh, it's brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Son had a goal and still a beauty. Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemann. De Bruyne. And it's Wood. Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, it's Guy Drinkle. It's Game Week 38, and you know what that means, it's time for another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable the last episode of a tad predictable for the 22-23 season. Um, obviously, we'll do some housekeeping towards the end of the pro- um, podcast in terms of where we go to in the postseason, how we'll be, you know, warming up for the for the next year's season as well. But for today, for this week, game week 38, last weekend for the Premier League, I've got none other than executive producer. Guy Drinkle on the podcast. Guy, we had to bring you on. I think we started the season with you and we're ending the season with you. I, th- I think that's only fitting. Yeah, best of the last, even though I started the season, which contradicts that, but I'll ride, ride or die. I'll be your ride or die today. Well, that's what we'll go with. Uh, I love it. I love it. And um, obviously, it was part of the small print that you were coming on, but you weren't allowed to compete in another banquet or burn it. So, we had Davina last week who had the last chance to try and overtake Jake Jackman, who currently is on top of the leaderboard. He's got 18 out of 25. Um, Davina got 16 out of 25 again, a score that's been quite common this season. I think we've got three people that have gotten eight, uh, 16 out of 25, if I'm not mistaken, and you are one of them. You just got to let... When you're behind the scenes and whatnot to do, you've got to let the the people take the centre stage now and again, haven't you? You had a parade already planned. You had a lavish celebration. There was pyro. There was a, a giant trophy that's bigger than the actual trophy that we do have. You were going to blow our budget for next season if you won. You can roll it on to next season. I'll, I'll just, <laughs> I could just type, just edit out the two and the three, and then put a three and a four on the 2022 celebrations. It's fine. I, I've worked this out today. We can wait a year. It's fine. All right. We will see. We will see how you do next year. But obviously, that then means Jake Jackman is our champion for this season. Um, obviously, the trophy's probably getting uh, penned as we speak and and I'm sure he's going to get that and and enjoy his prize. He is the original king of Banquet or Burnet and and I guess it's only rightful that he gets to win it this season. Um his first championship on a tab predictable guy, but you know, there's another team that's had championships a lot of them in recent history. Um, they've been crowned champions again. Of course, I'm talking about Manchester City. And before we dive into game week 38, there are a couple of games that we need to sort of take off here. We've got Brighton versus Man- Manchester City on Wednesday, and then we've got Man United versus Chelsea on Thursday. 
the Brighton and Man City game, is, is this a game you're looking forward to or maybe it's been dampened slightly by City not necessarily having to win this one? Um, it, it was shaping up to what would have been a really key game in, in a title race had the title race gone on uh, a, a little bit longer. Yeah, I think people you mark this as almost the last test for City. I mean, Brentford on the last day is a tough game as well, to be fair. So I think if Arsenal got to this point, it probably would have been the last most difficult games um, City could have finished the season with relatively. Um, but yeah, that, now it's just, it'll almost be an exhibition match, will it? I mean, Brighton have uh, confirmed, all but confirmed their spot as a Europa League team. Um, they, well, they technically can catch Liverpool, so if they fancy finishing fifth, they can. Um but they would have snapped your hand out, snapped your hand off for sixth at the start of the season, or at probably any point of this season. Um, but all they've got to do out with two games is get a point, and then they're confirmed ahead of Villa. Um, so yeah, it's it probably means more to Brighton, but at the same time, Man City want to finish as many points as possible. I think if they win both games, they'd be on ninety-four points. Um, which I believe is a one point less than last season. I might be wrong with that. Uh, no, they got 93 last season. Lord, uh, I hate Man City. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if they're trying to top every year's point total, it, it's the last thing to play for. I think it'll be a fun game. Brighton's probably the most fun team to watch in the league. Uh, Man City to me are a bit boring but there's exceptional players in there like De Bruyne and Haaland can do Frankenstein monster stuff occasionally um, but no it, all meanings out the game really but Brighton are really fun to watch and it might not be one I have my full focus on but I might just have it on in the background or something whilst I'm doing other stuff but no it'd be a bit I think it'll be a bit of a, fu- a bit of fun but not really mean too much I think the the important thing for neutrals certainly would be the fact that irrespective of which lineups these teams put up, it's probably going to be good football that you're going to get to watch. Yes. Um, and then for City, at what point do the players stop playing for their places in the the cup finals, the Champions League final, the FA Cup final? Uh, does that play into it? Whether or not Pep, you know, rotates the squad as he did this weekend, we will see. Um, I remember the other game, obviously, Man United versus Chelsea. Man United, I think they need a point uh, to secure yeah. uh, fourth place in the Premier League. Uh, Chelsea, uh, they, they've been on, on the beach for quite a couple of weeks now. They lie in 12th place at the moment. I don't think they care too much uh, at as long as they're safe, obviously, uh, in the Premier League for next season, because it seems like everything is gearing towards next season and making sure that next season is a bounce back season. Um, you know, for Chelsea, we've seen them do that in the past, um, where they've done really badly one season, all of a sudden they're in the mix the next season. But it, you know, compared to the Brighton Man City game, how do you how do you compare this game? Are you looking forward to it? Are are you going to be watching? Um, I mean, if Chelsea go 4 0 up in the first 10 minutes, I might, <laughs> might plop it on out of interest. <laughs> um, but no, I think the only interesting result is if Chelsea uh, Chelsea beat United because that keeps the top four race alive somewhat. But you, you mentioned there, Chelsea have been on the beach since 
July last season. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> um, about right. Yeah, so it's not... It doesn't, as a Liverpool fan, hoping United lose this game for, well, multiple reasons. It, it, I have zero confidence that because Chelsea have been basically an embarrassment. And that's putting it lightly. Because for them to be on 43 points, two points ahead of Wolves, who were in the relegation spots for a portion of this season... They could technically still be taken over by West Ham, who about three weeks ago were probably people, some of the people's choices to pick for relegation. I think I might have been this one or Dave's podcast. I called them the most toxic club in the country or in the Premier League at the moment. I thought they may have um, gone down, but it's seemingly Leicester who turned into that rather than West Ham. Um but, yeah, for Chelsea to be anywhere near them two teams and to be behind Crystal Palace, who basically went on a huge losing streak and hired Rory Hodgson, not to slag off Rory Hodgson, he's done an excellent job, to be fair. But, yeah, Chelsea should take a long, hard look at themselves. And if next season starts off badly, oh, dear, that's going to be... Uh, that's going to be fun, but no, I a little bit of interest. But as soon as United score, it'll be it'll be going off. <laughs> Fair enough. And look, I mean, if they're Liverpool fans that are going to put themselves through that game, then more power to you. Um, I, I just think if Chelsea were a bit more competitive, it could be a fun game. But Man United at home, looking to just finish things off in terms of leaving no doubt and, and confirming Champions League football back at Old Trafford. I, I think they get the job done in that one and sort of take the fun out of the, the last day of the, the season for any Liverpool fans that were hoping to to try and sneak in through the back door, it almost seems. But let's move on to actually game, 30, game week 38. Um, obviously, all the games start at 430 in the UK, we've got a couple that are on Sky Sports and, and one that's on BT Sport. I mean, it's Everton-Bournemouth on Sky Sports. That makes sense. Relegation implications there. We've got Leeds-Spurs on BT Sport. Again, a relegation-implicated game. And then Leicester-West Ham. So all the teams that could get relegated in Everton, Leeds, Leicester, their games are going to be broadcast in the UK. And then good luck trying to find um, a way to watch your your team if you're not either if you're either not a fan of one of those teams or aren't going to be watching those games and choosing to watch your team but guy we know there's a way that you can get rid of all the hassle and and be able to watch your team if you link up with our presenting sponsors there very much is it's a certain vpn website to do it is it's a liberty shield vpn it's a VPN provider that you can check out at libertyshield.com. This podcast is presented by eplindex.com in association with Liberty Shield. You guys can save with the coupon code EPL25 for 25% off of your router or the software VPN. It's a virtual private network, which is a technology which encrypts your internet traffic to protect your online identity, hide your IP address, and shield your online data from third parties. You guys will be able to change your locations, avoid geoblocks, and government-imposed restrictions to access any website. And this is a perfect game week in order to go and get Liberty Shield. If you want to be able to watch you know, the other seven games that are not going to be shown on, on TV, then just go ahead and link up with Liberty Shield and you will be able to do that to your heart's content. Unfortunately for me, being a Lakers fan, 
I've been able to watch all the all all the um, NBA conference games, conference finals games, obviously through Liberty Shield, but it's been uh, hard mm-hmm. to watch because uh, we we did get swept. Um, so yeah, there, there were positives and negatives of of having Liberty Shield. I got to watch the games live without any issues, but I also had to suffer through. Uh, a humiliating series, in in my opinion. Nah, it's Toronto the better. It's Toronto, <laughs> that's all I'll say. <laughs> as far as my basketball knowledge goes today, which is that the Raptors are better. So you know, I should have brought Dave on here. I knew it. Yeah. Uh, but okay, Arsenal versus Wolves. Um, in terms of the the order of our run sheet that we have here, Arsenal obviously fought as long as they could, but were unfortunately not able to keep up with man city they come up against wolves who have been dare i say weird this season um it's been really hard to get my head wrapped around what they are this season and i guess giving lopetegi an off season to actually work with the players implement a game plan for next season i think it's going to do them a world of good and their fans will be hoping that they don't even sniff a relegation battle like they started to do at points this season. And then for Arsenal, I guess it's just about what the future holds for them. We know Bakayo Saka has signed a new contract. That will be massive news for Arsenal fans and probably something they can celebrate on that last day of the season. But what kind of atmosphere are you, are you anticipating at the Emirates Stadium? Obviously, we saw... Um, Arsenal fans leaving the stadium last time we saw Arsenal play. Uh, maybe it's just the the raw emotion of realizing they weren't going to win the title. But I I thought it was absolutely unacceptable with what this team has given them this season. A team that wasn't even expected to be near title contention, maybe fighting for top four, to walk out on on them after the performance they've gave, given this season. I thought was absolutely uncalled for. Yeah, it wasn't a pretty sight. I mean, it, it, it's strange with Arsenal, isn't it? I think they're trying to dispel this whole bottling narrative, and they did. They did bottle it. Like, I think, is it historically they were the most time but, in first or something like that? Yeah, the longest time, 93% of the season, I think. Oh, yeah, they bottled it. I, I don't care that man's for you cheaters and are a machine etc but uh, it's just but they've had a couple of weeks to come to terms with it now and you are i think the word i think the way to word it is they bottled it but they also overperformed so now that the bottle now that the disappointment of losing the title is out the way if you're a if you're a proper arsenal fan you you go to the stadium etc etc you've been through the tough times you probably got through the toxicity of the end of the Wenger era, uh, even the Emery era, which didn't seem to go too swimmingly, even the start of the Arteta era. Now you've got something to be happy about. You see a way forward for this team. Be debates in the summer whether they can go again and step up another level to try and get into a, a proper proper title race with Man City and hopefully Liverpool. The time will tell that. Um, but... <laughs> Now go there, celebrate. I mean, to get say, if they win this game, get eighty-four points. They were on last season. They were on sixty-nine points last season. So, so to make that jump, um, it, it's a huge, it's a huge improvement. And if they can do that again without losing so many key players, because Arsenal are one of those sides that have to, 
make money as well as they can't just keep churning out because they had they've had big spends the last couple of summers, um, so they have may have to sell a couple, but they've been buying quite well. Um, go again, celebrate this season, see what the summer holds. I mean, there's rumours about Declan Rice and stuff like that, and if he can take on another jump, it may just improve their midfield. Um, we saw the defensive issues when it wasn't the first choice defence, so that'll be an interesting thing to, to tackle in the summer. But unless Wolves like batter them, I hope and kind of expect it to be somewhat similar, maybe not somewhat similar to the Liverpool atmosphere against Villa, because we were obviously saying goodbye to um, Bobby, Milner, Naby and Ox, um, unless I'm forgetting some obvious Arsenal people that are leaving. leaving. Um, but I think yeah. Jack is the only one that's kind of yeah, but that's more of a transfer. As- yeah, that's a transfer rather than confirmed free transfer. True, true. Yeah, so... Um, it'll be interesting, but no, celebrate the season. Celebrate the season. Arsenal have done better than anyone had thought. But as a cold opposition fan, they did bottle it. But when once you look back at this season, you'll see that Arsenal have improved massively. And if they can keep it in, going the next season, they're just a fun and quite likable team. It's just obviously fan fan bases on Twitter and stuff. And I say that as a Liverpool fan who aren't very liked on there as well. But yeah, uh, but in terms of the game itself today, where I. Uh, are Arsenal cooked? That's kind of the question, isn't it? But I, th- I think for me, the thing is, I would imagine that even a cooked Arsenal should be able to trouble Wolves, the Wolves that we've seen this season, mm-hmm. um, which is why I'm expecting them to end the season on a high with a win, um, get to do their lap of honour, which you would assume, especially you mentioned, you know, the fans that have been there through thick and thin for Arsenal, we have to mention that it wasn't everyone that left the stadium, but there were. There, it was noticeable that people did leave the stadium. But I would imagine it's going to be a full stadium. They get the lap of honour, and you know it's an encouragement to go again next season. I think um, in terms of that, the, the the whole bottle job narrative. The thing for me is, I think the question is valid to ask the moment you look at the teams that Arsenal lost to. You know, yeah. even most recently, the Nottingham Forest game, this is a team that on paper, with how Arsenal played the season, with what they were aiming to achieve this season, it shouldn't be a team you lose to. You look at the Southampton 3-3, you know, those are the type of things that I think legitimize a question for bottling it, is the the the, the losses are and the draws are to teams that you would have expected them to go and win. If they had lost to maybe, you know, a lot more of the traditionally big six teams. Um, if, you know, City then go and beat them that way, fair enough. You know, you could say there's not too much they could do there. But we know, and I suppose you know more than anyone else, being a Liverpool fan, is with this version of City, you need 90 points just to enter the conversation. Yeah. So there are not a lot of points that you can give up, and you certainly can't be losing to teams that are in the bottom half of the of 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 the league. You can't even afford to draw to teams in the bottom half of the league. That's the beast. That's the nature of the beast with Man City at the moment. So I think for me, the type and nature of the results towards the tail end of the season is what legitimizes a conversation for bottling it but obviously it's in the context of them having overachieved hopefully they see it as a positive to drive forward from than necessarily something to to bat the players with or criticize the players with and we'll see how they move going forward into the summer um let's move on to aston villa versus brighton and i'm, I'm sure 
some listeners will be trying to stop and, and, and shout out that we haven't given scoreline predictions for Arsenal versus Wolves. But I think at the end of the season, some okay. of these games, <laughs> to be honest, guys, some of these games, you don't even know what condition that the, the teams are going to turn up in. You know they're professional footballers and you hope they apply themselves in a professional way. But the honest truth is we don't know what the mindset is going to be for many of these players going into these games. Some of them, it might be really emotional games, knowing it's the end of an era at a certain place. Um, you know, we will maybe focus on score predictions for those games that we think, you know, both teams have a lot to play for and, and, and we could sort of gain something from that. But we'll move on to Aston Villa versus Brighton. I think a game that both sets of fans should just treat as a celebration game. Two teams that came upset the apple cart, pushed their way into Europe. Um, well, certainly for Aston Villa, they'll be hoping they secure that position because they currently sit in seventh place, one point ahead of Tottenham, two points ahead of Brentford. So Brentford have a shot to, to, to sneak in there as well. But I just think Brighton versus Aston Villa, what a lovely game for these two teams, two sets of fans who caused an upset in terms of predictions from the beginning of the season. And it's a game that I'm going to enjoy watching. Uh, probably not going to be one I watch live, but I'll watch back and, and enjoy. Um, but yeah, no, I, certainly not for Brighton. I don't think there'll be pressure in that game. Villa obviously need to go and secure European football. They need a result in that game and not just a result. I don't know if a draw is going to be enough for them because we'll get on to, you know, the other teams and, and, and the fixtures they have a bit early, later on. But for Villa, you would imagine this is a must win. Yeah, you'd think so. And I, I think they will win as well. I think Brighton, I didn't realise the goal difference gap there, but they are basically six. So I think I think Villa with their home record, we know Unai Emery's home voodoo he's got um but you have to just say he's done a fantastic job at Aston Villa and the turnaround he did from um when Gerard got fired um and could you not say we've done a fantastic job by making them our team of the season at that point when Gerard got fired suddenly Aston Villa was uh, a tad predictable's 22-23 team of the season we've had Brighton uh, before as a t- as a team of the podcast that we were rooting for, if I'm not mistaken. But even I think, Palace are cooking now today. I know, I know. These are all teams that have featured as teams. Take that... Liverpool next season. Yeah. <laughs> we will see. We will see how the voting goes for that. But yeah, I think I think it's been a really good season for them. No, it's been a fantastic season, and it's it's done with basically the same squad from last season off the top of my head. Carlos got injured straight away. He's barely played. But Kamara's probably the only one off the top of my head who's made a big impact, and he's been injured quite a lot of the time as well. So he's improving the players that were already there, and even under Dean Smith were kind of mostly just meh. Um like Tyrone Mings, I mean, he does big, shouty defending, and it looks impressive at times. But then you see him, he'll like keep people on side all the time. He'll give away stupid fouls, etc. But he's be- seemingly just became a bit more composed and a bit more sensible under Emery. I'm sure I remember McGinn talking about how he's never really received this level of detail of coaching, um, and. 
that's probably the most impressive thing. He's doing it with these sets of lads who've mostly been there since the championship days. Um, it's it's very very impressive, and it's just a te- it's just a testament to his level of coaching. Um, and it will be interesting to see what they do in the summer because we know Villa do have money. They probably have a few lads they could afford to sell, and they do have big priced assets they could sell. I'm not saying they should sell them, but they can always fall back and go, well, we have Jacob Ramsey. Who wants him for 80 million? You know what I mean? Um, so they've always got that money in the bank type thing. Um, but no, I think Villa will win this game. I think Brighton be a bit of a party atmosphere. We'll maybe see some. Well, I suppose it's an away game, so maybe the Wednesday game would be a bit more of a goodbye to a few players and a bit more of a party atmosphere. Um, but at the same time, it's just we've seen Brighton. When they're not maybe at 100%, we see a couple games. Everton, they slipped up um, big time. Disappointingly, um, Newcastle wasn't too pretty the other day as well. Um so I think Villa will win this game. I don't think it'll be a big thumping or anything like that. I'll probably go for something like 2-1 Villa, but I think Watkins can cause them issues. They do leave space in behind, and he, when there is space, he's he's pretty excellent. Wendy has been quite good this season. Bailey is the weirdest player in the world. Um, but no, I think Villa will get the do- job done, and I think they'll get um, the Conference League. Which would be a fantastic way for them to to end the season. Let's move on to Brentford versus Man City. I mentioned Brentford as, as having an outside chance of getting into those um, European or that last European position that's available. I think it's going to take a lot um, in terms of things going in Brentford's favour, not just against Manchester City, but in the Tottenham game, in the Aston Villa game, for them to make um, that seventh spot a game against Man City, it's obviously at home for Brentford. We saw their resolve against Tottenham even after they went a goal down. But is is there slight disappointment, dare I say, for Brentford, considering they were in those sixth, seventh, fifth positions not too long ago, and, and they sort of tailed off, and then obviously doesn't help the news of, of Ivan Tony getting an eight-month ban. I have no clue how they're going to address that um, going forward for next season. But if we focus on this season, is there slight disappointment at, you know, and, and sort of looking at the Brightons and the Aston Villas and thinking what could have been for Brentford this season if they had, you know, just kept that momentum going a little bit longer? I'm sure there is a little bit of a side eye to it. But at the same time, I think Brentford, I mean, we forget how short they've been in the league. Um and to be on 56 points, potentially more if they get points against City, it, it, it's a fantastic point haul. And yeah, the natural comparison is with Brighton. Brighton are ahead of Brentford in, in their um, development as a, as a football club. Never mind a football team, a football club. They're, it took them a little while to establish being a top half Premier League team. Brighton under Hewton and I think maybe the first season or two under Potter, they weren't as safe as Brentford are. So Brentford have given themselves a hell of a platform to take a jump if they can do a Brighton thing like that. Um, maybe it'll take spending a bit more money, but they have tried. I mean, some, some of the moves haven't worked out, but you just say they lose 
let's say they lose Raya for 15 to 20 mil. They buy some, I think they're linked with that Bundesliga keeper, aren't they? Buy him cheap and then just keep, maybe upgrade the midfield, find someone maybe to come on loan to fit, uh, replace Tony in the time being. Dave Okorigi vibes, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but I, no, I, finishing ninth, it, it, it's. It's a fantastic season. It's a, it's an A-plus season for Brentford for me. And if they got into Europe with Tottenham and Villa losing, it'd just be an A-plus-plus season. And you'd have to be talking about Thomas Rank as manager of the season for me because really tight squad. Some lads, you look and you think you're not Premier League players, but then you look at the quality of like Ivan Toney and Buemo and just the sensible Lads at the back, Ben Mee's probably been a fantastic signing as a free transfer last summer. Um, Pinnock's dependable. Um, Rye is linked with big moves for a reason. Um, but at the same time, if Brentford did get Europe, it'd obviously be magical. But at the same time, you said the Tony news there, it could be one of them those derailing seasons. So I think it's almost a blessing they don't get Europe because they'd have to spend big and without their best player. Hmm. It wouldn't. It could be a. Uh, that that is a, a very 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 interesting thought. I, I hadn't thought of that. Um, yeah, long term wise for Brentford, if they just continue to climb this ladder, uh, I think they're doing really really well at that. Um, obviously, the Man City side of things, they they are now champions. Um, what is it? Six, five of the last six, six of the last seven. I'm, I've lost count with them oh, at this yeah. point in time, but. <laughs> I, you know, it would be remiss for me to not mention that, you know, the, the, the glaring, obviously, shadow that, that hovers over City at the moment with the, the Premier League charges that they are facing. Obviously, there hasn't been a verdict yet, whether innocent or guilty, but, you know, it, 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 I think it's fair to call it an asterisk champion, an asterisk dynasty at this point in time until we actually get some clarity from the Premier League. I, I wouldn't imagine that news is going to come anytime soon, guys. So if, if you're a City fan, if you're Pep Guardiola, you just keep churning these trophies, keep winning things, keep trying to improve this dynasty and then hope that when you look back at it in a couple of years time, it's no longer an asterisk one and just a sensational, you know, a sensational journey that they've been through. But for the fans, it's not really anything they can worry about. In my opinion, it's not like they can influence anything um, in terms of the decisions that, that will be made. They're just there as fans supporting their club. Enjoy it. Enjoy the moments. Um, but yeah, it, you you have to look at this in the context of everything that's going on in and around the football club. Yeah, I think the asterisks are it's for other it's other fans of other clubs to worry about really. Like if you're a City fan, obviously you'll be in the back of your mind, but I mean you've still won five of the last six leagues or whatever the hell it is. I think it's like eight of the last twelve. I think they said on Monday Night Football. Um. Yeah, if you're a City fan, you're living large. You're the favourite for the Champions League. You're the favourite for the FA Cup. And you're big favourites, let's be fair. I mean, Inter Milan and United, the Manchester Derby thing's interesting. But if you were handpicking a... Let's be honest, Inter probably weren't even a realistic pick for the Champions League final at the start of the season. So, yeah, it's <laughs> you could have, could have handpicked a, a, a finalist to play for City there. Um, no, it... 
if you just if you ignore the the, the thing, the thing, Pep's done a magic job. I find it boring and mechanical at times, but he's done a fantastic job. He's taken the whole Cruyff idea and just turned it up to eleven. Obviously, it helps being at the richest club, yada, yada, yada. We've heard all that before. But Pep's made a, a nightmarish team for the Premier League in this era. And you, you look, it doesn't look like it's going to slow down anytime soon unless those things happen. But they, we know they've got money. They spend it well when they do for the most part, or seemingly do, but even if they don't, they still have enough money to keep going. That's the issue there. Like, they'll buy a Mendy, then they'll get a Cancelo, who took a little bit of time to work out, but you know what I mean. It's risk-free buying, and they can keep going. And the thing about the asterisks are, I mean, the only people who will be involved with the club are the really younger players, so probably like your Phil Fordens and stuff like that, and any other, maybe Rico Lewis, but he's only been part of one. But Pep won't be at Man City by then, I imagine. Um, your De Bruyne's have probably moved on, because let's be honest, the Premier League takes about 10 years to do anything. <laughs> so it's, it's why would they have to worry? They'll probably be having their less, last foray in La Liga or Serie A or even like the Middle East or MLS or whatever. It's... As a footballing thing, without the asterisk in the sky as the bat signal, it's he- it's very, very impressive. And Pep always makes these little changes, and you see it this season. The start of the season wasn't pretty. Well, well it was pretty. It was impressive because Harlem was doing magical things. But as the season went on, binned off Cancelo, put Aki at left-back slash left-centre-back, John Stone's kind of playing a dual role at the same time. Walker's kind of become a bit more fitter, so they've fixed the defensive issues, put Gundogan in. As soon as Gundogan sees his Premier League on the on the way, he turns into the best player in the world. <laughs> um, but no, Man City, just so many, so many excellent players. Um, and yeah, but as a Liverpool fan, my last thought on it. Big asterisk in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly there will be fans that will be desperate to point that out. But yeah, as you said, for City, just focus on doing what, you know, I guess for the players, doing what you're doing on the pitch, do what you're doing on the training ground. And you can't take away that emotion from them. You might be able to take away the titles from them. But I'm sure if you ask the City fans, you know, if you know if you end up being found guilty or something like that, you could never take away those Aguero scoring last minute moments, mm. them winning the title last season on the last day of the season, you know, having been down to Aston Villa and stuff like that. You just can't take away. So let's move on to our next game. Now we've got Chelsea versus Newcastle. This could have been a spicy game had things turned out different, but Newcastle went, weren't waiting around for everyone else. They they had their bags packed already. They're ready for the Champions League. An important um, game for them last time out against Leicester. Obviously, they probably wanted a win just to make it emphatic, but they're in either way. Uh, a phenomenal season for them to get into the top four. They currently sit in third place at the moment in the Premier League. And 
as I mentioned, Champions League football is guaranteed for them. So I think Jake Jackman's going to be happy twice over, um, not just with Bank or Burnett, but also with the way Newcastle have performed. And then, as we hinted to earlier, Chelsea, a season to forget for them. Um, all, all direction points towards having uh, a rebound next season. Yeah, it'll be a party atmosphere because the season's bloody over. But <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. I think Newcastle may roll out a bit of a change side. I think um, I think they'll like have to move on from say, let's say Lascelles as an ob- obvious answer um, was really good in the Rafa Benitez era, became club captain, etc. But latter Steve Bruce days, and I think he's picked up a few injuries and stuff like that. But he was important for a period. May may see more lads like that. Um, does that mean Chelsea will win? Probably not. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think the only way you could make it a nice atmosphere at Chelsea is maybe you announce Poch and he pops out at half time. But would that undermine Frank at that at Lampard at that stage? It would, but kind of crap as a manager <laughs> um, yeah um, yeah maybe do an announcement like that because let's be honest nobody expects Frank to be involved next season um, I can't think of any other contract news or out like that that would make it happy but if you're a Chelsea fan you just kind of got a hope it's pretty much Pochettino you just got to hope Pochettino brings in a bit of calmness to bring brings in a bit of steadiness at the club and just brings a bloody idea and lets Tottenham Todd well no Todd Bowley lets Poch crack on, get a sporting director or whatever, um, and just build up the football side into some sort of normality because what, what we've seen has just been a mess. I mean albeit Thomas Tuchel's kind of had a terrible season, possibly losing the Bundesliga and getting fired by Chelsea. Um to, to sack him for Graham Potter, then bin off Potter relatively soon. As Potter was doing an awful job, but it, it happened. You might as well just rolled with him rather than getting Frank Lampard. Ended up with Frank Lampard, who made him worse. Um, yeah, it's been a hellacious time um, since Todd Bowley took over. So yeah, you just got to let them, let the football people take over that club and run it and seemingly they'll have to do a good amount of sales in the summer but streamline that squad find out who actually wants to be a Chelsea player let some of the old guard go I mean Azpilicueta has been wanting to go to Barcelona for about four years now (laughs) Thiago Silva I know people pick him up but move on let some of the young blood play in defence you've got Koulibaly who you actually paid money for is the experienced head now he has been awful but you kind of stuck with him so use him as the experienced head there um and I know Badashile uh, picked up an injury, but try building around Fafana, Badashile, Reese James has kind of made a Pringle, so that French lad they got from, I think it's Leon who's coming in. Um, build around that. Take a year or so with with Poch, but you don't have you don't have any Europe, and we saw that last. I think you alluded to it last time. I think the first last time it was Conte who benefited massively from that and won the league. I'm not saying they'll do that, but it wouldn't surprise anyone if Chelsea take a massive jump next season, as long as they don't go spend another 300 mil in the summer. Streamline what you've got and work from there and figure out. And basically, buy a number nine, then streamline. That's all you have to do, because the rest of it is somewhat okay. 
if a, yeah. if an actual football manager, not a PE, PE teacher, in charge. <clears throat> that that does help having someone that actually knows how to manage in the Premier League with um, some sort of pedigree to them. Um, yeah, look, it, it's important for them to actually just have a really focused, calm season, drama-free season, hopefully for them. Um, and as you mentioned, if it's going to be Poch, hopefully they let him just actually take the wheel and, and get in charge and sort things out for them. But let's move on to Crystal Palace versus Nottingham Forest. I think Forest are going to be bouncing into this game. Obviously, a massive, massive win for them on the weekend against Arsenal. They've guaranteed that they will be in the Premier League for next season which I think makes them a really exciting team for next season. With the sheer volume of signings they made this season, it was always going to be difficult to gel everyone. But if if they stayed up, and this would have been the gamble, next year it's going to be a team that's been playing with each other for a year. A lot of those young players are a year older, more experienced in the Premier League and just as a footballer in general. It could be positive, you know, now that the the gamble has paid off for them. But also, Crystal Palace, you mentioned um, potential managers of the season. <laughs> Roy Hodgson would be throwing his his hat into there if, if if he had his way with how he's handled this return to Crystal Palace. They sit in eleventh place. Um, I think the important thing once the season sort of went bad for them was just make sure we're in the Premier League next season. I have no clue if if Hodgson is staying um, for next season, but at Rumors least he's done. Yeah, um, I mean, at this point, it, it's hard to see why they would not want him to stay an extra season. But yeah, I think for Palace, just another team where they'll be maybe not excited that the season's over because they're enjoying their football at the moment, but excited that this season is over in terms of the points, not being able to play for anything at the moment and definitely are safe. Um, yeah, should be a fun game. Uh, it's not at Nottingham Forest, so maybe Forest might not turn up um, as well as they usually do at home. But for Palace, a nice way to sort of end the season in, in a game that should be fun. Yeah, almost kind of opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of business. I think Palace they had it. I think Dakura is the only signing who's made a big impact this season. Off the top of my head, I know Sam Johnson's kind of became the first choice goalkeeper. Chris Richards has been injured all season. Um can't think of anyone else unless I'm forgetting someone obvious, whereas Forrest, as you said, signed thirty odd players. But I think what's kept them up ultimately is probably two months ago Forrest seemed to find something with this back three thing with Felipe um, soon as Niakata got fit he kind of came in and I think it's Worrell it's one of them it's Worrell or McKenna they're maybe the same person <laughs> um, but I think the thing for Forrest is they found their attacking unit at least um, Gibbs White behind Iwani and um, Brennan Johnson it, it's, I think that's basically what's kept them up. I think they've got a steady midfield with Mangala, Yates, um, Freuler, etc. Um, but the attacking unit, that three I mentioned there, I mean, Awoni's kind of just turned into a bit of a bit of a one of those big nuisance strikers um, to end the season, and he's added more goals. And I think that's. Um, I didn't watch the Bundesliga, but at Union, he obviously had a, a, a bit more of a goal-scoring pedigree. 
so to add goals onto his physicality and stuff, and I don't want to be one of the born stereotypes, but he, when he played against Liverpool, he was just an absolute like nuisance, didn't stop running, bullied our centre-backs. So if they can build off that, Gibbs-White, I saw some stats earlier, he had some, I think it was like a combination of assists, um, sprints and chances created or something like that. So he's probably had a, un, not an understated, but a quietly impressive debut season considering the team he's in. So if they can settle into this and hopefully become a mid-table team for, for Forest Sakes, you'll probably see it. It'll be a Warney, Gibbs-White, um, etc. That'll probably be kind of become the new stars and Brennan Johnson, I should add into that. But Palace, Forest, it, it, I think it could be a fun game. Maybe Palace announce Roy at this, so it could be something fun. But at the same time, if it's not Roy, they've got a really good settled squad for someone to come in and put their own stamp on it. We saw that with Vieira last season. It's a shame how that ended. But if it's not Roy, it's a perfect squad for someone to take over and and put their own identity on it. Maybe lose, as he has been linked with a few teams. But you're going to get upwards of probably 50 60 million for someone like Eze if not more um so they'll have money if that's the case um but yeah it really good that Forest there though but it's nice having these big teams in in the league and I didn't really grow up with Forest in the league um but it's nice they're back it's like a proper proper team um but yeah yeah so I think there's lots for Forest to build off of but just don't Bag another 15 people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see if they can be a bit more conservative going into next season. Um, I think you mentioned, obviously, the exciting players that Palace have. I was hoping one of those players was going to have a really exciting season. It, it didn't get off to a good start because he started the season injured. Of course, I'm talking about um, Michael Olise, uh, a guy that I was championing before the season started. And we've seen glimpses of it now um, towards the end of the season. As I said, it's a shame he started the season off uh, injured. But Guy, at the beginning of the season, first episode of the season, me, um, I made some predictions. You made some very good predictions. I'm looking at some of these predictions that you've made. But should we run through what rec- we call them the reckless predictions? Um I I had, in terms of predictions that I thought would happen by game week 16, I'd said that Olesi would be leading the race for young player of the year. Now, first and foremost, I don't consider players like Erling Haaland as in in my player of the in my young, yeah in my <laughs> young player of the year rankings. Like it's just an absolute farce. More so, players that have played a ridiculous amount of football and competitive teams in the Champions League as well. I don't get how he can even be nominated for such an award. It makes no sense. I think it's a pointless award at the moment. The Young Player of the Year is the most pointless award in football at the moment because it doesn't actually celebrate what it's meant to be celebrating. It's meant to be a celebration of players that are breaking through into first-team football and are shining 
So maybe they should just change it to breakthrough player, young breakthrough player of the year and tighten up the screws a bit in terms of the criteria for that one. But rookie season, <laughs> you know what I mean? Something like that, you know, players that have I, I saw a suggestion on, on Twitter the other day. I think it was players that haven't played more than 1000 minutes or 1300 minutes, whatever the case may be. But something like that, put a cap on the minutes that these players have played, um, you know, football or at least if they've played in certain tournaments. They shouldn't be compete like it, Trent's probably still eligible for that. He has no business being in a conversation for young player of the year. He's played so much football already and obviously he didn't have a great season. But that's besides the point. I, I don't get that. But anyway, Olise, I'd said he was going to be leading the race. Obviously, the injury didn't help there. I also said Marco Silva would be fired. And boy, did he take that personally I, I i have a feeling he listened to that podcast and definitely has a vendetta against me um they are currently in 10th place they looked like they could have had a proper charge for european football this season they've had a fantastic season fair play to them i said cristiano cristiano ronaldo wasn't going to be sold in the um August or, you know, the summer transfer window that was ending, I think it ends August 31st. I said he wasn't going to be sold before that deadline. And I said he wasn't going to start more than eight games for Man United during that period. And then obviously was going to have to be sold come January. That came to fruition uh, in emphatic fashion. For you, in terms of game week 16, you said Sean Dyche would either be manager of Wolves or Southampton. It was close. Mm. He he became a manager. It's just he became a manager of Everton. Um, you said Frank Lampard was going to be fired by week sixteen. Nearly. Little did you little did you know he was going to get hired again by someone. Else. Well, that's true. If anyone if anyone predict if either of us predict for next season that Lampard is at Chelsea again and he is there, we instant win, instant <laughs> win, free win. I think that's fair. Um, and then your last one. Um, was that it was going to be a three-horse race by game week 16. I'd, Spurs was still in with a shot, if I remember correctly. At I mean, that United point. won for the quadruple after the World Cup. So oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, so, so you did pretty okay with those. Yeah, I think, obviously, the dice one picked the wrong thing. Um, Lampard, I think, I can't remember when he got sacked. It was too late either way. I, I don't think it was game week 16. He was after the World Cup, wasn't he? Um, and the free horse thing, yeah, we I think we just about had that, didn't we? Because City weren't doing this at that time. Um, yeah, if we couple more game weeks and obviously the World Cup break, could I could have had three out, two out of three there, I think. But um, yeah, Wolves and Southampton messed up, messed me up there. But uh, my, I think my over two, my over two for the season are good. Yeah, not bad at all. And then in terms of by the end of the season, uh, you predicted that Chelsea would not make... Oh, I predicted Chelsea would yes, not make you. top four. I also predicted Wayne Rooney would be a manager in the Premier League. I, I was kind of hoping he was going to get that Sometime. Everton job. <laughs> and that would have probably worked out for you with the Sean Dyche shout. Mm. So if anything, Sean Dyche screwed us both with you know in one go with him joining Everton. Um your two predictions were that Everton would be relegated. Well, it's it's, no. <laughs> it's pretty close. It's pretty close. And then you predicted that Brendan Rodgers will get fired. There was a point when he was going to survive. Um, he almost defied the odds. But yeah, you called it again. 
two solid picks, one still in the running. Um, how are you feeling about that Everton one? I think they'll stay up. Oh. Skin, of the, skin of the teeth. But Leeds, I mean, who was the player? Well, obviously go through the game. Leeds, Southampton, uh, Leeds, Tottenham. Leeds, sorry. Spurs. I mean, literally the perfect game because Spurs are the worst defence in the country. Um, and Leicester, West Ham. West Ham will be resting people for the Conference League final. So it wouldn't surprise me if either of those teams win, but I think Everton will probably beat Bournemouth as well on the last day. That's my only issue. But if Everton get a draw... Could and either the other team wins, could get spicy. I mean, Leeds have to win by a few, to be fair. Um, but if Leicester win and Everton draw, it could, uh, yeah, could swing that way. But I think Everton, I think Everton will do enough. Um, that Brighton game from a couple of weeks back is the uh, uh, why Deserby should get sacked, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> but you know. Yeah. But it, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to our reckless predictions for next season. I'm um, I'm already starting to think, to think of a few. Obviously, these are predictions that we got the brief, and they said that they had to be sort of push the boat predictions, and as the title suggests, reckless predictions. And there were predictions we made quite early on before the season even got going. But yeah, I, I enjoyed those. Um, and we ended, you know, that mini segment there talking about Everton uh, and their potential, you know, survival, great escape, whatever you want to call it, or or impending relegation. Um, but before we jump into that and, and the rest of our fixtures, let's take a quick break. And we are back talking relegation implications because the next couple of games, and we might as well group them, Guy, it's Everton, Bournemouth, and then it's Leeds, Spurs, and Leicester, West Ham. You started touching on a few of those. Do you do you want to elaborate on what could be very, very interesting games? Certainly a lot of channel flicking between the, 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 the games this weekend. Yeah, I mean, if we just do them in order, I think Everton, Bournemouth, I think all three of these have basically the perfect fixtures because there's not really left anything left to play for i mean west ham's probably fixed their end of season but as i said they have the conference league so maybe keeping people in rhythm they'll do that but at the same time you might want to rest a declan rice who's probably played about 50 games a season if not more um spurs just lord I know Jordy had a go at me for bullying Spurs, but they deserve it. <laughs> I mean, somehow they've been funnier than Chelsea, who were like 12, which is actually impressive. Um, yeah, I think it just depends who has the most bottle, really. We started this basically the podcast talking about Arsenal bottle and stuff, but who has the most bottle out of these teams? Because Leicester, if Leicester win or score early against West Ham, West Ham may just go, screw this, the season's over, let's have a chill. We've got a cup final next week, I presume. I don't care where the, where the Conference League final is. Um, put the pressure on. We, we saw this with the title picture last season. Liverpool never, I know City were losing, Liverpool never put the pressure on City. Never. Liverpool weren't beating Wolves on the final day of last season until City were already winning the game. Um, so yeah, if you're Leicester or Leeds, go early, go hard, go early, put pressure on Everton. 
we've seen it. They don't have loads of goals in them. The defence is very in balance with how Yerry Mina's hamstrings are working, <laughs> seemingly. Um, <laughs> so and up front as well. He scored a goal last time. Yes, exactly. He's a monster at set pieces as well. Um, I think Calvert Lewin's injured as well again, so they won't have the most exciting things up to, uh, for it up top. So I, it genuinely is madness that this picture is like this. And I think they're all, all three of them have been awful. <laughs> I think. I think if Everton had Sean Dyke from the start of the season, they would have been fine. If they had Calvert-Lewin more available throughout the season, they'd be fine. But this happens. You go into the season, you know Calvert-Lewin's made of Chris. You know Frank Lampard's a PE teacher. Plan for that. Don't buy more pie who is not a striker for 16 mil. Buy a striker. Um, hire a manager. Leeds. I know Jesse Marsh was really grating on the Leeds fans and it wasn't pretty at times but it just seemingly was a mistake to sack him especially with no replacement set I mean all these sackings at the bottom of the table and I can't believe Rafa Benitez never got a call off one of them he would have kept any of these teams up I don't care what he did at the Everton job he would have kept Everton up he would have kept Leeds up he would have kept Leicester up Maybe not Southampton because that's a bunch of bad players and toddlers. Um, but it's it's shocking that the like Leeds giving Big Sam a contract for four games, Leicester giving Dean Smith a two month contract or whatever it is. They gambled their Premier League status because they didn't want to give certain managers eighteen months or two and a half year contracts. Are you having a laugh? It, it's, I think I think Leeds and Leicester especially have took the mick out of the fans. I think Everton, Everton owners have been taking the, uh, the mick out of their fans for a lot longer. But I think Leeds and Leicester this season are really are taking the mick. And I'd be using a different word if I wasn't on a no-swearing podcast. <laughs> um, but I feel like Everton will stay up. I think with Sean Dyche there... Um, the defensive solidity of having Mina in there, maybe he gets injured in the meantime, and that could change the entire picture. But Mina there, I think they'll nick a goal with some individual quality from like a Damari Gray or something like that. <laughs> like Spurs are awful defensively, but they still have Harry Kane, and Leeds' defence is awful, so Harry Kane will probably score enough goals by himself. I think, the, I think it's between Leicester and Everton now to do. I mean, what, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think so too. My my issue with Leeds is the fact that they're facing Harry Kane. We know he's got personal accolades to chase, um, and that's sort of been his um, mantra for a couple of seasons now, it seems like. Um, another reason why I don't think he's leaving the Premier League, but I I don't see how Leeds keep a clean sheet in this game. And equally, I don't see how Leeds score two, more than one goal in this game. So it's it's going to be impossible for them, it feels like, at this point in time. But if there's a defence that you need to help you, you know, sort of help your strikers get goals, it's probably Spurs. That's probably the one team you want to face if you're struggling to score goals at the moment. Because at times, their defence almost sucks the ball into the net, it feels like. Um, so in terms of goal scoring from a Leeds perspective 
I think they've got one of the teams they would want to play at this point in the season, considering how Spurs have been this season. But equally, you still have to get through a game, you know, facing Harry Kane, facing, you know, the likes of Son, who haven't been great this season, but can always turn in a performance. It just seems like the firepower for Spurs will be enough to negate anything that Leeds are able to do going forward in that game. So, yeah, it, it, it then leaves Leicester and Everton for me. I think Bournemouth might give Everton uh, a, a tougher game than they'll be hoping for. Yes, Bournemouth have had three losses in a row. No coincidence that those losses have come after they've secured uh, Premier League status. So maybe another team that that's that's on the beach at the moment. But Everton haven't been convincing this season. You just worry about um, whether or not the players can be um, give a, a, a performance that is needed in this game. Um, it's at home for Everton, though, so that probably gives them the best chance. You know the crowd's going to be into it. Leicester versus West Ham. That final, I think, is on the 7th of June, if I'm not mistaken. So there's still a bit of time yeah, before b- before that game. And you'd imagine that West Ham players are playing for a jersey in that final, playing for a starting mm. position in that final. It's whether or not they feel, you know, I don't want to get injured in this game. So maybe some of the, the, the players like Declan Rice, for example, who we know is guaranteed a starting spot in the final he might maybe take it a bit easier because he doesn't want to get injured before that game. But they should have enough players that will be on the fringes of the of the team sheet um, come the 7th of June that will be giving their all to try and make sure they they make it into that team. So I don't think in terms of integrity of the games, there's going to be too much question um, going into these games. That's usually the worry when you play teams that don't really have anything to play for. Are they going to play as hard as maybe the teams that you're playing or the, the teams that the people you're fighting um, for relegation are going to be playing? So I, I think all games are going to be competitive. Um, at the end of it, I think it is going to end up with Everton staying because the thing is, Leicester and Leeds have to win. Draws are not enough. And I can't remember the last time either of these teams won a game. Um, you know, looking at how many get wins they've had this season, eight for Leicester, seven for Leeds, and you have to win. I just don't know if they've got it in them to to go and win. So I could actually see all of them at best drawing and that being enough for Everton to stay in the league. I mean, if all three of them lost, I don't think <laughs> a single person would be surprised with the. No. It's been that sort of season. Like I think it's been an overall. I think it's been an awful season. I think Arsenal and City have been the only good teams this season. No, so reword that. Arsenal and City have been the only expected good teams this season. Like Brighton have taken huge, huge leaps. They've become a really good team. Villa since Emery have been really good. Brentford been good. Uh, Fulham have been a surprise. But below that, I mean, everyone else has been disappointing or. I mean, Bournemouth, they've done better than expected, but they're not very good. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think as a, it, if they literally, all three of them lost, not, like, it just cement what a terrible season. Like, relegation is normally a surprise there. Normally someone goes big in a performance or something. Like that. I might be just making up Hollywood BS, <laughs> to be fair, but it always feels like there's a surprise on the last day. But to me, I mean, Southampton's been awful. But in terms of like looking like a team that give a toss, 
like Leicester and Leeds to me. Oh, maybe this is more Leicester because Leeds is a something there. But Leicester, I mean, speaking of Liverpool, when we went one nil up the the other week when we played them, they just gave up on life. These are good players. It's just awful. Just did not give one single f that they went down. Um, ah, oh, they, they people said they've sleepwalked into relegation. I mean, they've basically moonwalked on the worm, bungee jumped, but that hint that they're coming back up. Um, they've just basically jumped off a building into relegation. It's uh, yeah, on, oh, back on my uh, Rogers. Sacked prediction. That bloke has blood on his hands because what he did defensively with that team, dearie me. Um, yeah, it was really, really bad. But no, I, no, I'm going to predict all three of those teams will lose. Screw it. <laughs> at, at best, all three of them will draw. All three of them will lose. I think it'll stay the same. I think Everton will stay up. Yeah, and, and obviously we mentioned the issues that City have from a, a legal standpoint. I think Everton... It's you know it's equally fair to mention their issues as well. Yeah, if if I'm Leeds, Southampton, or Leicester, I'm absolutely fuming that I'm even in a conversation where I'm either relegated or potentially relegated when Everton could stay up with what they've done allegedly um, from a financial perspective uh, in terms of financial fair play rules. So that's something to keep an eye on. Are there going to be implications again? You mentioned how long it takes Premier League to get through these things. Um, I don't think it's just Premier League in general. Just getting through legal things of this magnitude is going to take a lot of time. Only Syria. Only Syria deals really quickly. I think maybe it's because it's so often that it's happening. uh, No, look, it it, it happens everywhere. It's just whether or not you you actually go and um, investigate them and charge people and and have some, some sort of legal ramifications that come from it. But I think... It's going to take them too long for sort of the Premier League to be at a standstill waiting to see whether or not to punish Everton and, and keep one of the teams that have gone down or what. It, it It's the quintessential thing of administrative law, which is mm. it takes too long to resolve that by the time it's resolved, it's too late to actually have a, an have impact then as well. you know what i mean and an impact yeah. that is real and tangible to the people that have been damaged in my opinion you know a, a team that gets relegated if, if if everton then get found out to be guilty like i've already been relegated what you know yeah. it, are, are you gonna fix that not really you're gonna so, give me a hundred million pound and a promotion <laughs> you know what i mean it, it it's really hard um side of, of the law that and, and how long these things take um, but at equally you want them to take long so that you're sure that they've gone through everything and, and and justice has been served but let's move on to Man United, Fulham and then Southampton, Liverpool to end things off I'm assuming at this point the Man United Fulham game won't really matter because oh God, I... Man United <laughs> would have secured that fourth spot in the Premier League and then again a game Southampton versus Liverpool, Southampton have been relegated um, and then for Liverpool I think it's I, I think it makes Perfect. I've I've been saying for a long time that Liverpool weren't going to make top four. I've been saying for a while that Liverpool were going to finish fifth and it was going to annoy the hell out of me because Mm -hmm. I think that is the reason I was so pissed off in my prediction um, 
which probably came around December time that Liverpool had fin- finished fifth, is that it meant that Liverpool were going to go on a run of wins, which has the potential to paper over cracks. We've seen it in the past. We've seen it with Spurs, for example, last season. They went on a run. They ended up in the Champions League. And everyone sort of thought, oh, things are fine here. And we see the result of it this season. I'm worried the same thing. (laughs) I'm very worried the same thing is going to happen to Liverpool, where this mini run they've been on is going to paper over a lot of cracks and they're not going to address everything they need to address, which means next season they're not going to be challenging for for a title again. Um, I would have preferred them crashing and burning um, and being embarrassed to the point of making a change, not necessarily making a change in manager or making a change, you know, in, in that sense, but making changes um, and realizing the part they've taken recently hasn't been the greatest. We know they fired the best director of football uh, in Michael Edwards, or, or rather he left. Um, they've also had or are having arguably the best in data analysis, Dr. Ian Graham leaving, you know, decisions that I think have just swayed Liverpool in the wrong direction. And this thing of them ending up the season with a good run of games, um, it it's what I thought was going to happen. And it's I'm irritated that it has happened because they're not going to be able to fix everything because it's it's an ego thing at, at, at times, I feel. Um, and they're going to feel justified in pointing at, look, we fixed the problem. Look at the run that we went on. This is a, a, a title winning run or, or a, at least a top two, top three type of run that we've had recently. We've been we'll the be... second best team in the last 15 games. <laughs> exactly. We'll be able to. Lads, to, the to season's 38 games season. long. <laughs> <laughs> you know how, how people spend yeah. these things. Um, oh. But yeah, I think these are two games, not being disrespectful to the teams, but these are two games that won't really have much of an impact. But if it turns out that Man United want to make things interesting and this top four race goes to the end of you know, the, the season on the last day of the season, are you giving Liverpool any hope of, of making it into the Champions League? Oh, no, 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 United won't lose two games back to back. Just won't. Not two home games. Back to back, um, they'll they will ninety nine percent get a point against Chelsea. Chelsea are that bad. I mean, I think Fulham could beat them because Fulham seemingly just have turned a bit mental to end the season, which I it's appreciate. William turned the years back like fifteen years. <laughs> um, he's turned fun. Mitrovic is back. I think he scored a couple penalties last game, didn't he? Um, so I, I think Fulham could hurt them, but Chelsea just aren't anything resembling a football team. And I think if United need to get at least a point against Fulham, I think they just will. Um, so, yeah, I think there's about a 1% chance Liverpool end top four. Um, wouldn't even surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. Oh, if they lose both games and we fail to beat Southampton, I'll jump off a roof, I swear to God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm up Liverpool season, though. Oh, God. Straight off a cliff. Um, God, I'm thinking about that now. That terrifies me. No, that's not going to happen. I almost want United to get a point against Chelsea now. <laughs> that terrifies me. Um no, I think you know, I think top four will be done before the weekend even comes. Um, Liverpool will beat Southampton if there's zero pressure. I think the only interesting thing is that Liverpool are rumoured to be looking at a couple Southampton players that hopefully aren't James Ward-Prowse. Um, so, 
Yeah, that's the only interesting thing from a Liverpool's perspective. We'll get a closer look at um, Lavia, hopefully, and I think Bella Kotchup might be injured. I think he got injured a couple of weeks ago, but he might be fit. He might be there. I have not been keeping up with Southampton, but they're the two that have been kind of linked. Um, so that might be interesting to see what they do. And United for them. I think it'll just be a, a, one of those. Years ago, I don't know why it's stuck in my, I think it was like West Brom 4, United 4. It might have been Fergie's last game. Might, I think that might be one of those games where it just ends up as being a mad high scoring draw. Something like that, but yeah, there's not really too much interesting in either of these games. But Liverpool closer look at some targets possibly. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Liverpool squad aren't the only people from Liverpool that are at that game. Um, I'm speaking in terms of the team that deals with recruitment and stuff like that behind the scenes. Um, you mentioned there are a couple of those players that Liverpool have been looking at and and I'm sure will be looking to to bring into their squad. But yeah, Guy, is there any last thoughts that you have for this uh, 22-23 season? I think I kind of went on them when we did the relegation. I think as a season, it's been really bad for, for multiple reasons. Like, I think the interesting thing is just, man, it's not even interesting. It's boring at this stage. Man City will just win the league if you're not one of the best teams in Premier League history. <laughs> that's basically it. So, yeah, that that's basically it. I think interesting things are going into the summer. Can Arsenal keep this up? Will Liverpool buy midfielders? Yeah. Will Trent play midfield? Or will he go back to being a right-back? That's kind of a fun thing for Liverpool. Um, stuff like Newcastle. Can Newcastle play Champions League and sustain this? Will they go massive in the summer? Uh, but there's other stuff. How many players will Brighton lose? How, will Villa kick on? Um, will Chelsea not buy 700 players? Both of the night, I think it's like, who's going to be that team who was safe in mid-table kind of drops off? Will it be Fulham? Second season syndrome. Will Brentford suffer without Ivan Tony? I think that's kind of... When the season's been this poor, in my opinion, it leads so many questions in the next season. So I think the summer will be almost more interesting than the, the season. It might just be me being a spoiled Liverpool fan, and I don't care. The season's been terrible for me and Liverpool. So screw you all if you're saying that. Um, but no, I think the summer will be more interesting than the, uh, the season itself for me. For a lot of teams, I think that will be yes. the situation. Um, yeah, from my end, in terms of the season, I think... For Liverpool, a wasted season. You've wasted um, another good year of Salah, another good year of Van Dijk, uh, another phenomenal year of um, Allison. Um, should I say Salah was phenomenal as well? Um, so it 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 feels like a, a missed opportunity. It feels to me as though the window has the the, the trophy window has officially closed for Liverpool, and they're going to have to do a lot this summer to try and. Winning the Europa window. League to do another reason. <laughs> Look, they they have to do a lot to convince me that they've reopened this 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 trophy window. But I think they had a window. Um, they could have prolonged it. They chose not to. And this season has shown that they've slammed that window wide. You know, slammed that that window shut. 
um, and they need to address things in the summer before I jump back onto any sort of hope that they are in contention, serious contention, not just fluking your way to a trophy, um, if, if that can happen. Um, in terms of excitement, I think it's been exciting to see uh, a shakeup in the top six teams, top seven teams in the league. I hope that continues because it then keeps some of these bigger teams that have been there, you know, sort of on their toes. They can't coast to, you know, good seasons. They need to perform. They need to deliver week in and week out. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how some of these teams grow next season. I mentioned the likes of Nottingham Forest. I think next season could be an exciting season for them. If they just, you know, rein things in a little bit, they don't need to do too much. Trust that this team has blended and, and has another year of experience on their belt. Uh, another huge congratulations to Jake Jackman on winning the Bank It or Burn It championship for this season um in terms of admin mr guy drinkle i know we're gonna we might have a few podcasts um after the season to see how some of our guests see their teams lining up for the summer you know what what transfers they can see their teams being involved in etc um but then we we like to take a break on this podcast give everyone a chance to sort of recharge um, get ready for the next season. So when the time comes, we will obviously mention. Um, but I'm I'm looking at the schedule. I think around July time is is going to be very quiet for a tad predictable. Give everyone a chance to recharge, get their batteries going for next season. Then we'll start warming things up again come August um, as we gear up for the season. But it, a huge thank you to all the listeners that have been listening this season, uh, whether it was one episode or all of the episodes, we appreciate you guys so, so much. Huge thank you to our guests that have come on old and new um, you know, we've had a, a few new guests this season who have been fun. Um, some of the old guests that you guys are familiar with have been great as usual. Mr. Guy Drinkle behind the scenes doing everything that doesn't really get seen or heard um, in, in, you know, when it comes to podcasts. But a huge thank you to you. Huge thank you to Nina Kauser. She um, she stepped in when Guy was on leave. I didn't know Guy could go on holiday, but alas, um, when Guy really went on holiday, <laughs> yeah, when Guy went on holiday, Nina stepped in um, and was a huge help. Um, you know, stepping into that executive producer role. She's at Nina Kauser on Twitter, so definitely go and give her a, a follow um, and and um, a, a shout out as well. Uh, we thank her for all of her efforts. Guy, it's been a fun season. Uh, looking forward to what teams do in the off season and getting back to work sort of August time. Might put the go the gone fishing sign up uh, for a little bit. And hopefully I come back with restored faith in my football club and I can be a bit happier. Uh, we'll <laughs> see. And if not, we will find a new team. And Well, look, you had Aston Villa this season to root for. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see we'll see how um, the team for Attack Predictable who gets voted into to that Brentford. position and <laughs> Brentford early money already. on Brentford ironically oh, wow. ironically without <laughs> Ivan Tony without Ivan Tony yeah but I made a betting joke so it works so, you know. okay fair <laughs> enough fair enough I missed that one yeah all right um, guys go and check out EPR Index website go check out uh, the Two Footer podcast I don't think Dave will be stopping um, during the, the summer months. So definitely go and 
get all of your football news and discussions and and anything revolving transfers and the implications that we'll have gearing into next season. Um, if, if you missed this podcast, definitely go and check that one out. And, and I'm sure he will fill the void when we are not there. Um, also go and check out EPL two for the, um, go and check out EPL roundtable with Kev DeVries. Uh, I'm sure it will be the, the last one for this season. After this game weekend, they'll probably talk about the implications of what has happened on the final day of the season. Go and follow at EPL Index on Twitter. Go follow at Attack Predictable on Twitter. Subscribe to EPL Index podcast channel on your podcast providers. Give us five stars. Write positive comments. That stuff really does help us out. Um, I've been to the Ochinakera. You can find me on Twitter at the handle Tad Predicts. Huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA and Jody McInnes. She's at Spursy141 on Twitter. They do our guest intros. I'm sure they'll be busy in the summer getting ready for uh, our new intro for 23-24. That's going to take getting used to saying. But um, they usually do a new get a new intro um, each season. I, I like the song. Um, it's ours. It's it's not um, you know taken from anywhere. It was made by um, Obi Semenya, as I said, at John Empire SA specifically for our podcast, which is pretty cool. But we might have a, a, a few different goal celebrations that will be in that intro, and then obviously Jody does her stuff really well. So I'm looking forward to that. As I said, our producer behind the glass, he was in front of the mic today, Mr. Guy Drinkle. Thank you very much, good sir. And for the final time for this season, at least, I've been to the And remember, Chisinga Perry, Chinoshura. Podcast Network.